across a line of lowered eyes, and the girls looked suddenly young, trapped. The only ways out of a group home like this one were to run away, age out, or be institutionalized. Level 14 kids weren't adopted. They rarely, if ever, went home. These girls knew their prospects. In their eyes was nothing but fear. Of me, of their housemates of the life they had earned or been given. I felt an unexpected rush of pity. I was leaving. They had no choice but to stay. I tried to push my way toward the door, but the girl stepped to the side, blocking my path. Move, I said. A young woman working the night shift poked her head out of the kitchen. She was probably not yet twenty, and more terrified of me than any of the girls in the room. Please, she said, her voice begging. This is her last morning. Just let her go. I waited, ready, as the girl before me pulled her stomach in, fists clenched tight. But after a moment, she shook her head and turned away. I walked around her. I had an hour before Meredith would come for me. Opening the front door, I stepped outside. It was a foggy San Francisco morning the concrete porch cool on my bare feet. I paused, thinking. I'd planned to gather a response for the girls, something biting and hateful, but I felt strangely forgiving. Maybe it was because I was 18, because all at once it was over for me, that I was able to feel tenderness toward their crime. Before I left, I wanted to say something to combat the fear in their eyes. Walking down fell, I turned onto Market. My steps slowed as I reached a busy intersection, unsure of where to go. Any other day, I would have plucked annuals from DeBose Park, scoured the overgrown lot at Page and Buchanan, or stolen herbs from the neighborhood market. For most of a decade, I'd spent every spare moment memorizing the meanings and scientific descriptions of individual flowers. But the knowledge went mostly unutilized. I used the same flowers again and again. A bouquet of marigold, grief. A bucket of thistle, misanthropy. A pinch of dried basil, hate. Only occasionally did my communication vary. A pocket full of red carnations for the judge when I realized I would never go back to the vineyard. And peony for Meredith, as often as I could find it. Now, searching Market Street for a florist, I scoured my mental dictionary. After three blocks, I came to a liquor store, where paper-wrapped bouquets wilted in buckets under the barred windows. I paused in front of the store. They were mostly mixed arrangements, their messages conflicting. The selection of solid bouquets was small. Standard roses in red and pink, a wilting bunch of striped carnations, and bursting from its paper cone, a cluster of purple dahlias. Dignity. Immediately, I knew it was the message I wanted to give. Turning my back to the angled mirror above the door, I tucked the flowers inside my coat and ran. I was out of breath by the time I returned to the house. The living room was empty, and I stepped inside to unwrap the dahlias. The flowers were perfect starbursts, layers of white tipped purple petals unfurling from tight buds of a center. Biting off an elastic band, I detangled the stems. 
The girls would never understand the meaning of the dahlias, the meaning itself an ambiguous statement of encouragement. Even so, I felt an unfamiliar lightness as I paced the long hall, slipping a stem under each closed bedroom door. The remaining flowers I gave to the young woman who'd worked the night shift. She was standing by the kitchen window, waiting for her replacement. Thank you, she said when I handed her the bouquet. Confusion in her voice. She twirled the stiff stems between her palms. Meredith arrived at ten o'clock, as she'd told me she would. I waited on the front porch, a cardboard box balanced on my thighs. In eighteen years, I'd collected mostly books, The Dictionary of Flowers and Peterson Field Guide to Pacific States Wildflowers, both sent to me by Elizabeth a month after I left her home.